Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The China Shop. I am the host today, Kyle, filling in for Shopkeeper Dan as he works uh, some graveyards this week, is fan favorite, head of quality control, and our new uh, Canadian liaison. Is that is that what we went for? I'll go for a Canadian liaison, absolutely. Yeah, head of Canada outreach, I think is what we're going to call you. <laughs> yes. Joel, Joel from Discord. How are you doing today, Joel? I'm doing good, Kyle. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Join us Saturday. I just uh, dropped off the car, my wife's car, to go get it looked at. I mentioned that uh, when I was talking to Eric about like an odor coming from the engine bay. Right. So I took it to Firestone. Yeah. They figured out what it was, like a leaky valve cover, and it's getting oil into like where all the spark plugs and the ignition coils at. Guess how much they wanted to charge me to fix that? $4,800 and change. Oh, okay. Well, no. <laughs> no, 1500 Oh, 15. Wow. That's, but 1500 us is like 4,800 Canadian. Oh, is that what the going transfer rate is these days? <laughs> it's roughly 30% more, but you get the gist. Right. But, oh man, it's ridiculous. Like to replace a valve cover, four spark plugs, ignition coil, and the rear axle brake job, $1,500. Yep. That's what you get for taking it to Firestone. They're tire guys. Luckily, I have a friend out here who knows uh, some good mechanics. He put me in touch with a guy that used to be a GM certified uh, um, mechanic. He works out of his garage now. He's doing the work for 600 What kind of car is it? Uh, 15 Buick Encore. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's a nice little car. We also have a 2015 Buick in our garage. Uh, is it uh, Encore or Enclave? Enclave. Enclaves are nice, aren't they? Yeah. Good kids, man. We need the big one. I was going to say that Encore would be a little small for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. A Costco run in an Encore would not happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or getting lumber is a bitch, too. <laughs> you have to get the small two by fours. <laughs> Can you staple two six footers together? <laughs> I need 94 four foot two by fours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Banter complete. Uh, come on into the shop with us. Sit back, relax, hedge against that rage machine. I'd like to welcome any new listeners just joining us. We're here to smash our way through a complete set of fine china, sharing that ever-growing strategy for trying to maximize gains and cut losses. If you are new to the shop and stock trading in general, you can always check out our knowledge and resource centers on financialandeptitude.com. You can give one of the many beginning trading episodes a listen, or you can check out the mini-series page or even the guest page where we've got everybody broken down on the topics. And uh, I tried to make that one up. It didn't work. Perfect. <laughs> Check out the guest page. Check out the uh, mini series page. Check out the website. Anywhere. There's tons, tons of stuff. If you're new, we'll get you caught up to speed. Uh, I'll have all those links in the episode description, but the best place to be is on the Discord server. Me and Joel are on there every day, and it's just an awesome place to be. 
Uh, it's free, no paid tiers or special access areas because we don't know how to do that. Uh, but when you do join the server, you can send, us, send me a private email or message with your mailing address and I'll send you some smash it yourself swag straight from the shop. We're really glad you're here. We, always, we have a lot of fun. It's always better with friends. Uh, Joel. Yes, Kyle. Do we have any show news? I don't have any show news. Um, I don't typically run a show. Uh, you might have some show news about your show that I'm helping fill in for today. Maybe Dan has show news about his show, but I don't have any. <laughs> okay. Well, the newest roundtable episode with Retail Capital and Robert's coming out on Monday. Uh, the following week, we've got a crypto conversation with Andy Kramer, a uh, crypto tax law expert. And then the week after that, episode six of Trade Runners will be getting uh, the finishing touches put on it. So a lot of good stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks. Those mini series that are taken off are just absolutely phenomenal, aren't they? I know. I got to get some more planned here. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I think we're. I think you were helping me with uh, trying to decide whether we should do an options or uh, uh, intro to like algorithms. There has to be both. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of which one you're going to do first. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense to do options. I've been wanting to tackle that one for a long time. And I hear you could end up with somebody pretty good as the uh, as the professional. Yeah, there's a couple of people who have offered to, to participate. But either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. I like it. That sounds great. All right, folks, we have got a stupendous special. Um, I need another S word. How do you feel about simple, Kyle? <laughs> I feel like you're trying to sell yourself a little short there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got plenty of market moving news, lots of stocks on the radar and more options than Canadian potato chip flavors. We have a lot of potato chip flavors. What's your favorite? All dressed. I don't think you guys even have all dressed down there, do you? No, we don't. What's the difference between all dressed and Canadian or uh, ketchup? Uh, night and day. Ketchup tastes like ketchup. All dressed is like. It's everything, isn't it? Imagine sour cream and onion, salt and vinegar, and like three or four other flavors all rolled into one. It's incredible. Hmm. Barbecue? Uh, but no, barbecue's not really on there. Okay, good, good. No, uh, the, yeah, those all sound good to me. You watch that Letter Kenny episode where they sit around in that room and talk about them? Yep, yep. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I assume that's just how you guys typically spend your, your Saturday evenings. We do. We do a lot of debate <laughs> about chip flavors. Oh, yeah. All right, reach out to us. We love your messages and comments on Twitter and Facebook and Discord, link in the episode description. Or if you're old school, you can just send us an email to twobulls at financialineptitude.com. That's the number two. Maybe you got a hot stock tip. Maybe you want to tell us about a great trade you just made. Or maybe you thought the man that you wanted to marry died at sea, uh, but he just showed up and you found out that rather than you know trying to get in touch with you, he just embraced the life of piracy. It doesn't matter. We just love it when you reach out. I don't have a clue what pirate movie you're talking about. The only one I know is I want Tom Hanks that makes friends with a volleyball. Uh, what if I said inconceivable? Nothing. Never heard of it. Not a Princess Bride fan, huh? No. That's the movie, Princess Bride? Yeah. You, oh, man. you got to watch that if you haven't seen it. That's one of the best movies ever made. No, I haven't seen that. All right. End the episode. Cue the music. Did you ever no, see Frozen or Moana? <laughs> no. <laughs> Our kids are older. i got two girls. And that's, <laughs> that's what I watch. <laughs> I bet they'd like that. I was probably eight when I saw that as a kid. Just a really good movie. I'll go watch it. That can be my consequence if I lose the bet. No, because that's too good. Okay. <laughs>
All right, speaking of bet results, we should probably talk about them. Let's talk about the bet results. All right, do you remember what we picked last week? Chewy. Yeah, so Chewy uh, opened the week at $39.86, uh, bounced around for a while, closed on Friday at $40.30. I think we're sitting around like $5.22 last week. We ended up closing the month at $529.06. And then Random uh, went long on something called Knowles Corporation, KN ticker. Uh, opened the week at 1680 on Monday, closed at 1724. So Random is sitting at 51401. And if I understand math correctly, that, that means that the bulls finished higher than than random, right? That's that's good for us. Is that called absolute revenge, where you you finally start beating random? You're better than a random pick now. <laughs> no, don't perfect. get your don't get cocky, Joel. <laughs> you also lucked out that we were in the lead because I was going to make sure you took part in the consequences if we didn't. <laughs> Since it's a brand new month. I'll take part in next month's consequences if I help pick the bet for this week. Oh, I'll let you pick for sure. In that case. (laughs) (laughs) If we take your bet pick, Uh then I don't have to. That sounds fair. But if we use my bet pick and I win, but you guys lose to random the rest of the month, then I get to pick the consequences. Okay. Okay. All right. I like where you're going with that. How's that sound? That sounds good. But But if I lose, then... I'll participate in the consequence. All right. All right. So you, you want to be weak, dependent on this week only. Absolutely. I'm dependent on this week, but if you lose, I get to pick the consequence. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Now that the bet results are done, are you ready to move on and talk about some news? Or should we talk about some sponsors? Why don't you talk about some sponsors? Do you have any good ones? <laughs> oh, the same ones as always. <laughs> Before we dive into today's news, I'd like to take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends at Manscaped, Tree Pro Academy, and Orderflow Labs. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming with precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped is also going to be releasing the new version of the Weed Whacker. I'm looking forward to getting my uh, trial piece here. That's the, the tool that cuts your nose hairs and ears hairs. If you're over 40, that tool is a must have. <laughs> uh, we have an exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2Bulls at manscaped.com. Uh, as mentioned many times before, that's the number two. And when it comes to institutional quality trading education, look no further than tradeproacademy.com. In that free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for all you degenerates who enjoy trading futures, definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies at Orderflow Labs. And now that we got all the promo stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and play that song. Dow drops deep on moving inflation, COVID frustration, war damnation. We're just bringing you the fucking news. You gotta recognize the game if you don't want to lose. We're just skipping to bulls trading information. Yeah, we Rioters raiding, oh. insider trading, taxes mm. are raising, bills mm. on the hill. We got a crypto mill. No, they ain't growing weed. When the Fed speaks today, it's some shit we don't need. Sing it, man. Two bulls trading information. What? Two bulls trading information. I'm inclined to agree. Two bulls trading All right, let's uh, let's take a look and see what the stories are. We had a lot of Fed stuff coming out. 
just a lot of speakers again. Um, one of the ones that kind of popped up though that caught my eye was that the Jerome Powell is going to be testifying in front of the Senate Banking Committee again, or coming up this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so with all the economic data that's been coming out, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of tone he takes and how he answers those questions on inflations and what their plans are as far as future rate hikes go. Specifically, this would also be the first time he's testified since Republicans took control of the House. I didn't realize it'd been that long. And I don't follow this U.S. voting stuff. Like, when did they actually take control of the House? I mean, I guess they won it in like November, but I don't know when they actually start their terms, right? Because the election happens and then you still have to have the swearing in. So probably it would have been probably sometime around January. And so this is new. Who had it before? The Democrats? Yeah, yeah. You think I would know more about it for how involved I am? You think I, I would? Stuff. <laughs> That's also true. I you live would. here. <laughs> the bottom line, though, is I mean, it doesn't really matter whoever's in charge. They all do the same shit. They're all crooked the same way. And so, no matter who's in charge, Powell stays there. Well, I mean, that's going to be dependent on the president, right? I think he's appointed by the president. But Powell's actually been through a few different presidents now at this point. Yeah, he's doing a great job, Kyle. Is he? Is he? Absolutely. <laughs> well, inflation's up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how long did it take him to, to acknowledge that it wasn't transitory and that it was here to stay? That's right. It never really was transitory. <laughs> no. Um, so there are some things, though, in a report that came out that they're expecting the Fed to, to kind of talk more about. Or one of the key things that they mentioned was market liquidity is still low in several key areas, uh, one of which is the treasury market compared to like pre-pandemic levels. So the Fed has said it's prepared to adjust the winding down of its balance sheet should economic or financial change require it. Um, not sure exactly what that means. Like uh, if the, there's not enough liquidity because they're not buying, does that mean that maybe they're willing to, to start reversing that policy of trying to unwind the balance sheet or maybe slow it down. I don't know. Well, and what are they basing the liquidity on? Are they basing the liquidity on when they were buying? Because you can't base the liquidity when the biggest buyer decides they're going to stop buying. Then you have to go back to the old liquidity. If you're creating the liquidity and then you stop buying, then of course the liquidity is going to go down. <laughs> you took the biggest player out of the game. Can understand why nobody's buying beans anymore. I mean, I used to buy half of them two years ago, but since I quit buying them two years ago, now nobody's buying them. That's exactly right. Excellent point. Yeah, so I don't. I'm curious to see what uh, what his comments are uh, if he gets grilled on that bit. They'll probably overlook it just because that's a tricky question to answer. <laughs> Use some of that politician speak, right? All right. Well, what uh, what's caught your eye this week? Speaking of the Fed, the Fed now has no choice but to push the U.S. into a hard landing recession, pull inflation down. Really? So, well, apparently. Who's saying that? Pira Misia. Misra? I can't get her name right. It's a TD <laughs> security strategist. Pira Misra. The strong data will force the central bank to remain aggressive and pull economic activity lower. She predicts mm -hmm. that rates would reach 5.25 to 5.75 this year, and a downturn could hit the economy by mid-year. So so what exactly does it mean when they say hard landing versus soft landing? Is that just about whether or not they trigger a recession, or, or is there something more to it than that? Well, I think the difference is 
like a hard landing is if they go too far too fast then they're going to end up with a hard landing but if they go too slow or just slow enough then you get a soft landing imagine like the uh, the three bears beds this one's too hard and this one's too soft so it all has to do with how aggressive they get if they get too aggressive they risk the overshoot exactly hmm i mean i would have thought they'd already the chances of a soft landing are already pretty slim at this point, how much they've raised rates or not slowed down. Well, they've gone a long way, like super fast. I mean, it's only been what, maybe 14 months, 12, 14 months that they've actually been aggressively raising rates and you've gone from zero (laughs) north of five. I mean, that's, that's pretty aggressive. Okay. So they did a quarter BIP on March 17th of 2022. Yeah. That was the start of it. So it's been a year. So that's pretty aggressive. Yeah, I would say so. So when should they expect to see the like results from what they've been doing? Data is likely to keep coming in because the Fed rate hikes will work with a leg. This says that it'll take 12 to 18 months for the full effect. Okay, so that sounds consistent with what we were thinking before. So yeah, 12 to six, like. So they have no idea where they're going to be in a year. A year to a year right. and a half, that's when we'll experience what they've done up until now. We should be seeing the changes that they started when they first when they first made the first rate hike. Like We should just now be starting to see the effects of that. That's right. So why keep going so aggressive? That makes zero sense. Because now they can start to cut it if they need to. Oh, right? I see. I see. So if you go way too far, way too fast then as it starts to get sideways on them, then they can do what they did last time and run them all the way back down to zero if they have to. Right, okay. All right, I guess that makes sense. Plus it's also better to, and you're in a position like this to do something, even if it's wrong. Absolutely. At least you can point and say like, we're doing everything we can. (laughs) (laughs) If If they sat there and said, we're just gonna wait and see what happens. I think there would probably be a few people who would be a little upset. I mean, I wish they would do that when it comes to getting on the microphone every week, but right. You know, it's impossible to trade around those guys sometimes, but I, I would say, I feel like people are listening less and less. Yes. You know? Yeah. It has seemed like that a quarter bit a year ago would move the S and P 80 points in 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. And now they can go through a whole session uh, with sideways action. Now we get a 50 bit rate hike and everyone's excited. Exactly. Yay, it's only 50. Exactly. <laughs> this article does say, though, that other Wall Street commentators have warned the Fed about over-tightening as well. Mm-hmm. BlackRock's investment chief, Rick Ryder, said central bankers were willing to push the economy into a recession after being too lax on inflation last year. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like Bloomberg's survey says they're expecting a recession within the next two years as well. So... Everybody's on the same page. It's just when it's going to happen. It actually kind of ties in with another thing that caught my eye. It's the Charles Schwab sentiment survey that just came out. That uh, is basically like a survey that goes out to different market participants, like traders. What does it say? Well, it's kind of it's kind of weird. So I'll just I'll start with the the markets in general. So like traders went from eighteen percent bullish on stocks in the fourth quarter to thirty five percent bullish in the first quarter. Uh, and then if you look at younger traders, it's even more dramatic of a shift, uh, swinging from 15% to 40%. Uh, 
Uh, about 50% of traders think it's a good time to buy stocks, which is up 45% from last quarter. Uh, and then in sector by sector basis, traders are most bullish on energy at 61% and healthcare at 56% and most bearish on real estate and consumer discretionary stocks. About 57% are bullish on value stocks compared to 30% who are bullish on growth. Anybody who's bullish on growth with high interest rates, though, is probably not a good trader. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's also interesting that it's all the young people trying to mm -hmm. buy the dip. The people who have not experienced any of the recessions or anything potentially, right? But, I mean, if you're a young trader, that's what you should be doing. You should be buying every dip because you've got so much time before you're expected to, like, if you're, you know, saving for retirement. That's or so true. away for a long period of time. If you've got 50 years to go before you're going to need that money, yeah, buy it now, whatever the price. Right. That's so true. Yeah. So it is interesting. But here's where the, here's where the conundrum is, though. Because when they polled all these people about the economy, 87% of them think a recession is likely this year or has already begun. So the people who are buying the dip think it's going to go deeper. They think that we're going into a recession or we're in a recession. Yeah. 68% <laughs> of respondents said they expect inflation to ease throughout the year, but only 7% anticipate the Federal Reserve to pivot and cut interest rates this year. Only 7% think that they're going to reverse rates this year. Yeah, so 9 out of 10 people expect an economic recession this year, but yet that many people have shifted to being bullish on stocks. That doesn't that doesn't make any what sense. recession has Yeah, it doesn't, right? That's that's people investing that don't know what they're doing is what that sounds like. Yeah, I really want to know who Charles Schwab is <laughs> uh uh sending these things out to. Cuz it is it just the people who have like, you know, oh, I just want my uh, to buy stocks and whatever I like to, you know, to hold for forever. And I don't really pay attention to what's going on. Or is it people who make their money, like trying to trade? Right. It's probably like college kids who are dollar cost averaging $15 a month into their IRA. No, well, if that's the case, yeah, always be bullish because your, your outlook is a lot further than one year. Right. And if the recession happens and stocks keep going down, keep buying them. Yeah. I guess it's, it's different when you're talking investing versus trading, right? Yeah. Charles Schwab didn't do a good job, though, of, uh, I mean, because they, they specifically said that this was a, they're pulling traders, but maybe they just don't know how to define that, right? That could be. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got anything else to wrap us up with? Uh, Mark Mobius is having trouble getting some money out of China, it sounds like. Mark Mobius says, China is restricting flows of capital out of the country. Who is Mark Mobius? He is a billionaire investor, a pioneer in emerging market investing. So ah, he's an okay. emerging market investor. Okay. Uh, he's personally affected because he's got money in Shanghai as well. He's got money in Hong Kong, uh, which he says is easier still. I must be because they're totally separate. Hong Kong's got way different rules, I think, than Shanghai, right? Yeah, so I should get the James Falk back on so we can explain the difference between Hong Kong and China's exchange. Especially with how active China is right now in the world. There's so much yeah. going on there. You should get him back on and uh, and see if he can explain that because that's super interesting. Uh, why would... So it's not... It's China that's restricting the outflows. It's not the, the particular... Because I... Like sometimes like I got um, the fund managers will say, OK, no, we can't take any more outflows. You're, you're going to have to just sit and weather this downturn with us. 
But if it's the actual government saying, no, you can't take money out of the country, that's a completely different thing. Right. And it, I don't see in here where it says, but it does say that he's moving to Brazil. <laughs> I'm now How's in Brazil and Brazil, you've got 250 million plus people, very good people, open society. Hey, why not come here as an alternative? So, huh. oh, uh, <laughs> uh, that's what the Germans did when they left uh, Nazi Germany. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Where do you think Wag Motors came from? <laughs> came from Germany? Yeah. You didn't think it was weird that there's a South American company that's uh, got German names? That's awesome. I didn't ever know that. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of them down there. Wag Motors is one of the big ones that I can remember, but I'm sure there's more. Like NASA was filled out with old Nazi scientists. That's how we got to the moon. Wild. Oh, that's funny. So he's, this sounds like he's uh, trying to drum up some opportunities and where he's chosen to live now <laughs> right and then it says here investors should be looking at india as the next place to invest i can see india as being a, another good one um i've been of the opinion that vietnam i've heard a lot of or people that look at this uh, emerging markets a lot of people have all been on the same page when it comes to vietnam as being like one of the next big emerging markets to get in on board with i don't have the article but I saw an article, a headline that said that Apple is looking at moving some of its factories to India. Mm, that makes sense. Well, because then they can say made in India, uh, not made in China, but they, they can still get all the raw materials from China. Well, I guess, right? They could probably yeah. do that. <laughs> it also, if something goes sideways in the world, mm -hmm. with Russia, and then they can be out of China and still produce and sell maybe where the companies that are tied to China might be stuck. If you make everything in China and China decides that you're not making cell phones. Now you're making guns, right? Or even worse, if they nationalize all the factories, right? They can tell you what you're going to make, right? You could end up making anything. I mean, that's almost a risk in any country. That's not uh, uh, free capitalism. This is true. Also very Our true. free market in general, right? Yeah. I think that isn't that one of the big things that happened in Venezuela is a bunch of the like the oil companies that went and invested down there, like the Venezuelan government just basically said, nope, those are mine now. Did they really? I don't know that, but <laughs> I, I think uh, I'll cut that if it's wrong. <laughs> totally plausible. I could see yeah. that. All right. So so invest in Brazil and India is what it sounds like. Don't invest in China because you may not be able to get your money out. Right. Especially if you're a billionaire. Yeah, especially if you're a billionaire. Talking to you, Jack. Uh, all right. Well, I think that wraps up uh, the market news. Should we uh, play a song and listen to some stock news? Or should I do some mid-rolls first? What does that mean? That means we'll celebrate some advertising. Oh, do that. Yep. Okay. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back. Fresh off a rebrand and ready to help is Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. 
Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Oh, that was some good advertising, wasn't it? All right, let's play a song. Now it's talk about stocks time Looking for setups and still not advice Big moves, fresh news and earnings All that we're saying is still not advice Stock time Please answer us <laughs> Absolutely love that I feel like I did my part very well You have so many hidden gems in those songs That it's just phenomenal I think sometimes you don't hear most of them if you don't use like good earphones too, if you're just playing it on your phone. Right. Or if yeah. you're playing it in the truck, for instance. Oh, oh yeah. Or like mm. take that lawyers is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Please don't sue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Top story that I got to talk about this week uh, is a new development in the Microsoft uh, Activision acquisition. So you know that there's been a lot of people like opposing this deal, uh, like, I think there's uh, over in Europe, right. especially there's getting a lot of the, those arms investigating it for, for uh, what do they call it? Anti-monopoly type situations. Uh, right. Yep. Yep. Sony has been one of the biggest uh, people opposed to this, uh, but in the latest twist to this whole ongoing saga is that uh, Sony has now been ordered to turn over a bunch of their exclusive deals and four years worth of company records over to Microsoft for them to be able to review that and make their case. So why would Sony have to do that? Because they're claiming that uh, with Microsoft having exclusive ac uh, access to Activision Blizzard's titles like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and all these other things, that they think it's going to give them an unfair market advantage. Well, now Microsoft say, well, hang on a second. You guys have all these exclusivity deals. Like, let's let's take a look at those and see how many you're benefiting from. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So they, they tried to ask for 10 years worth of stuff, but the judge has, uh, said, you know, it's deals that they signed 10 years ago have no bearing. He limited the scope to, to four. But still, that's four years worth of deals and stuff that they don't share that they consider to be um, trade secrets. Right. Like the terms of those deals. So, yeah. Yeah, this looks like this thing is backfiring on, uh, on Sony a little bit. Well, I think... Truth be told, anyway, they should all just, they should all just share. There should be no exclusivity. There should be none, especially in that online video game world now. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be able to log on to any one of them and play with anyone else. Like, I think on Call of Duty, you actually do that now. Oh, really? they did open it up? The guys who are playing on Xbox online mm -hmm. play with a guy who's playing on a PS5 online. Oh. And they can play with the guys playing with... Uh, PC online as well. I I don't have the game, but I work with guys who play it with each other. Right. I think the problem is though that different systems like Xbox, Sony, or PC, they'll all use different versions of the engine that runs the game mechanics and all that. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So being able to have them like, you know, cross talk or play together, I uh, can definitely see some problems with that. But if you 
if a developer wants to be able to make a title, like I would assume they want it to be able to go out in as many different platforms as possible. Like that should be up to right. them to make those deals. I just don't like the idea of having exclusive deals with any any provider. Or they should just charge them for it. <laughs> you know? Microsoft maybe doesn't get it exclusively, but every time Sony sells one, Microsoft gets a cut. Um, yeah, if they own the company. I mean, that's kind of how that would work, right? Well, in in this specific case, yes. But in all cases, all of Sony's side deals that they have, mm-hmm. maybe they open that up so that Microsoft has access to it, but Sony gets a cut. I'm trying to think of, a, a, well, I guess Activision would be the the one to think of. Like, If they want to develop a game and they want to put the effort into making it available on multiple platforms, like I don't think that the other platforms like Sony or Microsoft should be able to say like, no, you can't work with us unless it's only us. Like that is the problem. That is for sure a problem. Yeah. So hopefully uh, some of this stuff comes to light and maybe that changes uh, going forward. It would be an incredible acquisition. Um, The interesting thing though here is just um, like Microsoft and there's multiple analysts who think that this deal is going to go through. Um, I talked about it with Eric not too long ago, maybe it was last Wednesday, uh, uh, about whether he thought the deal was going to go through. He just looked at the stock price and said, no. <laughs> is that because he says it's too high? Well, the price is trading around 75 to $76 a share right now. The Microsoft offer is at $95 a share and it's expected to close at some point in like uh, late spring of 23. Like if it was really that close to happening and it was going to happen, the price should be trading a lot closer to that uh expected offer price absolutely no one believes it's going to go through right right the interesting thing though is the options uh world like you can see a pretty big cutoff on anything over 95 like that's where the cap is like the premium cost to, to buy options uh long dated ones at least once you get past 95 dollars a share that goes <laughs> that's because the only people the only people who buy in an option more than $95 are people who don't understand options. <laughs> so, very few, yeah, yeah. whatever volume is up there mm-hmm. is people who don't know what they're doing. Right. Uh, like me, me four years ago. Uh, yeah. Or me. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I did not buy any of those. I only own seven. <laughs> All right. What's, uh, what's catching your eye this week? Uh, I've got a story about Ford. Oh. Ford is working on a patent that can help with repossessing vehicles. Oh. And drive themselves away. I couldn't imagine what's going to go wrong here. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. That's that's why nobody wants self-driving cars. (laughs) You don't want your car to be able to leave you. (laughs) Can you imagine if if your car just left? You'd think someone stole it. God, I wonder what the grace period would be on that. Like if you're like a minute late on your payments, the car just fire up and drive off. Right. How does it get out of your garage? Well, and how do you, how does it become your property then? Or are you always just borrowing it? If Ford has full control over your vehicle, who owns the vehicle? Uh, Whoever basically underwrote the loan that you used to purchase it unless you paid cash. Right. It's wild. So it'd be the bank. Uh, yeah, I, I assume they're doing this for the banks. Like the bank just says, hey, this guy didn't pay. Give me the code. And they say, okay, here you go. That's wild. I guess it's been so long since I had a car payment. I forget the bank owns it. 
can you imagine though like what if this happened while you're at the grocery store you're out there shopping and then when you come out to go get your car and like put your groceries in it's gone right and then <laughs> oh jesus <Can> <laughs> and and with new technology you know there's going to be mistakes there has to be yeah it's never going to be flawless it's going to wander off well and then it could turn into something how do how do they know what's inside it right what if you what if you parked it got out to take out your groceries that you just bought and your kid is still in there and it just leaves. Uh, does it have to announce a warning for five minutes? Warning, this car will be going back to the dealership in five minutes. Please remove any children. <laughs> exactly. So uh, they're calling it a system and method to repossess a vehicle. That's the actual name right. of this patent. Wow. And it sounds like control. it can control anything from the engine to the air conditioning. So like Ford is going to be able to be deep inside your vehicle. And I don't know how deep Tesla is right now or any of the other companies and Ford might be deep enough too. now. Like I know they can find them. GM has been able to find a vehicle and shut it off for years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically that started with OnStar. Once OnStar exactly. came about and got popular, those, yeah, they can start your vehicle. They can shut it down. They can lock your doors, call yeah. the police for you. Yeah. They can actually lock the guy in. I Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if he's Locked not smart enough to, to manually lift the latch. Right? <laughs> I've heard too many 911 calls of that exact <laughs> scenario. I can't get out. The battery's dead. Uh, have you tried just pulling the latch up? Oh, oh. I'm free. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> bye. I'm stupid. <laughs> it, go, it goes on to say that they can do things like move the vehicle from the premises of the owner to a location. Mm-hmm. Such as, for example, the premises of the repossession agency right. and its lending institutions hmm. considers financial viability of executing a repose repossession procedure to be unjustifiable. The vehicle could drive itself to the junkyard. Oh, Jesus. Um, it does also say, though, that even though they have the patent documents, especially mm -hmm. applications like this one do not necessarily represent the automaker's intent to introduce it. Yeah, that so is true. That is they might true. just take it and they could hold it uh, years without ever yeah. doing anything with it. Yep. It would just mean that if somebody else wanted to try and do the same thing, they could stop it. Yeah. It also could be used to go in a different direction maybe. Right. Yeah. There could be different applications. They could be, they could even just turn around and sell it to someone like Tesla. Like, Hey, you've already got self-driving here. Why don't you take this? True. That's right. Yeah. It's, it seems like this is more of just a race for race for the patent. It is for actually utilizing the technology. It makes sense too. Cause a lot of these big companies spend a lot of money on R and D and a lot of R and D probably goes nowhere. Exactly. Like probably one of their biggest expenses. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got for news. Um, oh, talking a lot about labor shortages and uh, the jobs market and all that. Uh, looks like uh, while like tech companies have been laying up, let's see, I think, I think it's more than 120,000 workers, but this just this year uh, from tech companies that have been laid off. Uh, retail is going the opposite direction. In fact, there's been quite a few companies, uh, Kroger being one of them, they announced Thursday they're going to spend $770 million on raising wages in 2023. Uh, they'd spent $1.9 billion on hikes since 2018. 
Costco uh, delivered three off-cycle wage increases the past 15 months. Um, Best Buy, uh, let's see, they raised hourly pay roughly 25% over the past three years. Uh, so in the service industry, it's like completely the other way. It looks like it looks like the service industry has figured out that it's better to hoard the labor rather than to try to let them go and find them and retrain them again. They've, they've learned that uh, when your business is customer service and there's nobody around to serve the customers, it's not good for your business. <laughs> it's probably going to hurt you more to lay these people off. Absolutely. I think people walking out the doors with nothing or with less is a lot worse than paying people a little extra. Also, I don't know if you've noticed, Kyle, but we've had a year of inflation. Mm-hmm. And now they're uh, now they're advertising that they're actually raising wages. Right. So we've had nine, whatever, 9%, 10% inflation. And they're boasting, we're going to pay our people more. Well, I wonder <laughs> why. Yeah. Yeah, you should be. In fact, you're supposed to get an increase that's uh, that's consistent with inflation on every year, uh, just in general. Like anything above that is based on merit, but you should be at least keeping up with inflation on your your annual raises. Exactly, those places like that too, uh, they end up with like a very transient workforce, right? Coming and going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at Amazon. They are officially out of people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But companies like Costco have been, you know, they've been, the, the I think, the leader as far as like uh, employee compensation for, for quite some time. And everybody I've ever talked to who works for Costco absolutely loves the place. Yeah, I would say decades Costco has been out in front mm-hmm. yeah. for that for that type of um, employee market, for sure. But now it's not just uh, Costco, but uh, like Kroger, Best Buy, Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Lowe's, they're all expressing similar sentiments. Uh, Home Depot is going to be spending a billion dollars on wage increases. Uh, Target didn't announce pay hikes, but the company did say that cuts to the best team in retail were off limits as the company hunted for 2 to $3 billion in operational cost savings over the next several years. So yeah, there, there's been at least a couple of companies that have said in their um, and statements that we're not touching our, our employees. If we're going to save money, it's going to come somewhere else. Right. I wonder, do you think that's a cycle? Like, does that, I don't know enough to know if that's been going on, on for years and years. Do you think it's a cycle that goes with inflation? I don't know if it's with inflation. I think it's just with uh, the shortage in general. If you can't find people, like you got to do what you got to do to protect the people that you do have. You don't want them leaving to go somewhere else because if you got somebody who works at Lowe's and he finds out that Home Depot is spending an extra billion dollars to get better wages, do you think that guy's going to stay at Lowe's? That's true. Yeah. yeah no, he's going to jump ship. He'll take that dollar. Yeah. And a dollar an hour when you make 15 or $18 an hour is enough that people will leave where they are. Especially when it means going and doing the same job at basically the same store. <laughs> There's right? no brand loyalty when it comes to employment. <laughs> no, that's so true. Yeah. Either way, though, it looks like things are finally looking up for the workers. So that makes me happy to see. Yeah. Other than you have to pay more at Kroger's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the downside of it. But they're doing that anyway with the just calling True. it inflation. I, Dan mentioned that last week that people are that's using right. that ex- as just an excuse to raise rates. Like, oh, inflation's going on. We can go and just bump prices up 10%. No one will care. Exactly. <laughs> Like, oh, great. 
yeah, if you uh, if you're working in the service industries, um, hopefully you get a piece of that. Absolutely. Hopefully everybody gets a piece of that. Or half the people who deserve it get it, and the other half suck it. <laughs> That's fair. <very, laughs> sure. If you want to go I'll, that road, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, should we move on? Talk about some crypto. Let's talk about crypto. got an update from Binance that I wanted to uh, to bring up here. Talked about the $400 million payment that was sent to uh, a trading firm that was managed by the CFO, Chang Peng Zhao, uh, the one that the, the CEO of the US division had no idea where that money was going or why it was going anywhere. <laughs> it just left? Yeah, it's just $400 million. It's just transferred out. Uh, there's a report. The headline says that Binance used customer funds for its own purposes in a move similar to FTX can, uh, scandal. Now, of course, Binance is saying that this is not happening, uh, but uh, it looks like there's definitely uh, evidence of $1.8 billion worth of stablecoin collateral that got transferred to hedge funds, which was subsequently, according to Forbes, left the investors exposed. They had reviewed on-chain data from August 17 to early December. Uh, the investment firms include Alameda Research, the trading arm of FTX. Oh, shit. <laughs> Those guys are in oh, everything. Jesus. Uh, yeah, so about uh, more than a billion dollars worth of crypto known as BPEG or USDC. BPEG USDC were left uncollateralized despite Binance's claims they were 100% backed. Uh, this is according to the report. According to Binance, uh, uh, let's see, who is this from? Company spokesperson said Binance does not and has never invested or otherwise deployed user assets without consent under the terms of specific products. Binance holds all of its clients' assets in segregated accounts, which are identified separately from any accounts used to hold assets belonging to Binance. Hmm. Interesting. Very. Yeah, this is, I mean, all these crypto companies, the... I think if I want to be in crypto, I don't want any of them holding any of it. I would much rather have my own wallet on a hard drive and just risk losing that hard drive. At some point, you're almost better. <laughs> yeah. None of them are safe. At least if I lose my hard drive, uh, like I can go run to the dump, find where they dumped uh, that area you know, 10 years before and, and sift through it by hand and still have a chance of getting my money back. <laughs> Do you think anybody <laughs> who's lost money in FTX is going to have any shot of getting that back? It's gone forever, right? Pretty much. Uh, yeah. When you read this, it almost seems like Binance isn't as secure. Like They're one of the biggest ones, right? Yeah. And if Binance isn't as secure as they seem, then man... You're right. You're better just having it in, on paper in a file folder in a box. I think or coffee can. Right. Or buried under the yeah, under the mattress. That's 
Can you put digital assets under your mattress? Probably. I guess you could stuff a laptop under there. Yeah. <laughs> or just print it. Print uh, the QR code and just put the piece of paper in there. Oh, can you do that too? Does that work? Yep, you can print off. Yeah, because it'll it'll give you a QR code. Huh. I know you could use QR codes to get in. Huh. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shows how much I know. I actually uh, have a friend who made a ton of money off crypto. Yeah? Yeah, I made... I made minus $730, but he made million. <laughs> it sounds like my experience. <laughs> I think yep. I made most of my money on doing the little free, uh, free cryptos, uh, um, the surveys that you do on uh, Coinbase. They just hey, do this little quiz and get $3 worth of whatever token. Thank you. I'll take that, convert it to Ethereum, and have a nice day. Or if you have a guest who gives you free ones. Oh, shit. Yeah, I still have those. Fuck. How are Skydles doing anyway? No idea. I didn't get any. You didn't get any? No, I didn't go. I I was not as bullish Skydle as he was. Um, I was bullish just because it was free. Do you ever look it up to see where you are? It was, um, I think it peaked at like almost four, four cents a, a a piece and when you get like 37,500 of them it's definitely worth it it's like a hundred bucks no it was like uh 2000 yeah i think uh, i think it peaked somewhere around like 1250 dollars worth oh wow yeah yeah the the benefit of that was not everybody jumping in on it because only a few people took advantage they had a set amount that they were going to give away so the more people that signed up the less you would have gotten oh well, yeah, see, now I feel bad. That was well, no, more I, than I could have made off any of the other ones I did. I get to thank you, though. Everybody oh, who welcome. did join up, we can thank you for not taking a, a making our piece of the pie a little smaller. I'll, I'll take my piece now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a pain in the ass, though. I'll tell you that. But that is on a wallet, I believe. Uh, that is not through another crypto firm. Oh, you can have them forever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when Musk ends up colonizing Mars and they're looking for a token to use, they're going to use the one that's probably has to do more with space than anybody else. So that's my hope. Can you imagine if someday that was like six bucks? It just took right off. Oh, God. Now I have to go buy Skydle. I have to figure out how to get it now because it's going to haunt me. Um, what were we talking about? Crypto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, uh, Binance, things are looking a little shaky there. Uh, I think the the main takeaway of that, of that for me is that it just has to do with the space. There's no regulation in the space. Uh, I'd be leery of going through really anybody else besides myself, if that makes sense. And the cool thing about crypto is you can. You can yes. hold it yourself and you don't have to have them. You can mm -hmm. just take it to the exchange, exchange it, and then take it home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And at least then I know that, you know, they're not uh, not yellowing it on three arrows capital or someone else, you know. <laughs> right. Or they take it or they take it and say, this is mine now. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. It becomes ours after you transfer it to our company. Exactly. You put the money in. We buy the crypto for you. We hold the crypto for you. Uh, we trade with that crypto. And when we lose it, then uh, you're shit out of luck. If we lose it, you're welcome to have it back. Oh, oh well, thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Binance. Thank you, FTX. Uh, if anybody's had a good experience with one of these, like, let us know. Right. Because so far, I haven't heard anybody come and say like, hey, uh, you know, I had some uh, snafus with my wallet, but hey, these guys made it all whole. Doesn't exist. <laughs> right. All right. Should we do some good, bad, and the ugly? Let's do good, bad, and the ugly. I'm ready for that. Are you ready? Yep. You sure you're ready? As ready as I'm going to be. Oh, <laughs> in all fairness, though, I don't have that button. <laughs> oh, you could have just said draw. I would have put, I would have hit it for you. I was giving you a shot. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> all right. Uh, how'd your week go then? You got any, anything good, bad, ugly you want to talk about? So I don't, I don't do a ton of trading because I'm still back testing, but I do have a good, a bad and an ugly. My good for this week is happening right now as we record this. Oh. I um, This is huge for me and to be way out of my comfort zone this far. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I am doing a good job and this isn't your very last uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing fantastic. Um, so this is, this is my good is that I've actually taken this opportunity that you gave me to step in, help out. And um, I feel good about it. Yeah. So wow. that's my good for the week. It's huge for me. Actually, it's I love huge that. For me, so. I love that. Do I do my bad next or are you going to do your good? I can do my good. Okay. Uh, I spent Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I wasn't supposed to be trading. Um, I'll get into why and my bad and ugly portion here. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. But my plan had been to kind of like take the week off, uh, work on some back testing stuff, work on some other uh, business stuff. We had opportunity to come up that I talked to you a little bit about off, off the mic. Yeah. Uh, but had the emotions going uh, kind of into overdrive. But part of that uh, potential opportunity was taking a lot of the pressure off of like trying to succeed, right? You know what I mean? Like absolutely. Suddenly, like I didn't have to depend on this for an income, and all of a sudden, like it just felt like everything I touched uh, was just phenomenal. Like I, I was trading without pressure, is the way I put it in my notes here. Isn't that? Interesting how, did you even know before this week that you had pressure? No, no, not until it was gone. Did I realize it, like how much it had been weighing and that's phenomenal. Like, I think that's, that's not the first time that's happened to me though. Like having external circumstances that have weighed me down, like they, they, they grow slowly to the point where like until they're gone, like you just don't realize how much it's been holding you back or hurting you. Right. And to know how to get rid of them is impossible because you don't know that they're there. Yes. Yes. You can work on so many things that are, you think are the causing the pressure, Mm -hmm. but they aren't. There's some other pressure. Right. And it sounds like you, and it sounds like you found it. That's super awesome. This happened, uh, uh, this happened another time. And I talking to rich about it It is when I first started doing my set scores, but there's a lot of uh, stuff going on outside of, um, outside of the um, trading that was weighing me down and I didn't even realize it. And I'd started doing my set scores. So like, it just felt like normal at that time. It wasn't until that right. situation got resolved and all of a sudden, like everything was better again. Like, Oh shit, man, I think it feels good now. Like, how do I get, how do I capture this? How do I keep this right? going? That's fantastic. I love that for you. Yeah, it, it was it was weird. Uh, I mean, I I walk by the charts, I'd look at the chart, I'm like, oh shit, that's a really good setup. Uh, we go ahead and put this trade on, and, and I'd walk away. And whether it worked or not, I didn't really care. But uh, it's funny how you feel like if you're a loose cannon, that 
it's dangerous. But then when you're doing it the way you're talking about, you're essentially being that loose cannon. But because there's no pressure, mm-hmm. you you can do it and still make a rational decision. There's, there's been a few times when I'll talk about it when we get to my bad and ugly. Um, okay. Or should I just jump into my bad? You may as well. You okay. can go first. All right. Well, I had a prop account that I was trying to uh, qualify. I was trying to pass an eval on. And I had spent the, the focus of the duration of that trial had been to try to execute what I said I was going to execute. Right. Uh, when it got to the point where it's time for renewal, um, I didn't have a plan for how I was going to address that because it makes no sense to carry a negative balance on another month when I can just basically cancel that, get a new one and start from you know zero again. Right. You can make up that difference. So the thought was like, okay, you know, last couple of days, I'll just, uh, you know, increase the size and try to go big on a couple of good setups and see what happens. Uh, I did not have a good plan. Uh, this hadn't been addressed beforehand. I didn't know when the date was going to be. So rather than having like a week to try to like bump up size a little bit, I had to go like all or nothing on two trades because I had one day left in the eval on Monday. Right. Like Monday was my make or break day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So because of that, like, I just didn't like the emotions. That was my bad. It was the no plan. The ugly was the way I forced those trades to try to get that yellow in. Yep. Uh, like it was, almost felt like I was trying to break it. So that way I could say, oh, I'm done. I have to move on. Yeah. Subconsciously, you probably were. I think so. Do you feel like you had anyone influencing you on doing that? Or was that something that you wanted to do? Because did anyone in the Discord ask you when YOLO day was? I think I had people telling me not to. <laughs> you did. You did. Uh, Purdue was trying to talk me out of that. And he talked me out of doing it uh, stupidly. Like, just right. Uh, you know, off the open. I'll just go long. Whatever. See what happens. Like, we didn't do it that way. I did try to stick with finding good setups. But when I went back and reviewed those two trades, like, right. those were not good setups. And in the way I felt in the moment and the way I felt afterwards, I did not like that. So I decided to take, you know, the rest of the week off to, to sort through and process those emotions. Yeah. Well, it's also another step of learning, right? You, you can see now what yeah. happens yeah. when you stray. That was like, you, you nailed that account the whole month, right? And then the mm-hmm. last day or two, you strayed from what you were trying to do. And look what happened. Right. Yeah. And the results weren't necessarily there uh, from what I was trying to do, but it also led to improvements. Like now I've got an even better setup for the next iteration. I was able to take that information and improve it. Right. Exactly. And that was the goal. The goal for me is execution. Can I execute? Can I execute consistently? Yeah. And I think you did that other than the last day, right? Uh, there was maybe one or two other spots in there. I think as we got closer to the, uh, the not meeting the goal, I think it started to slip. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely that last day was the worst offender of them all. I'm curious without your pressure and with knowing what you know, how the next one will go. Super excited about it. Well, if I had started it on Wednesday or Thursday, I'd tell you I'd be halfway there after three trades. Exactly. There's potential there. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I love it. <laughs> It's coming, dude. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. What about, what about your bad and ugly? My bad is I've, I'm actually letting the emotions from back testing affect me now. I'm getting super frustrated with how long it's taking. 
I always joke that oh. I'm on the doctor plan, but I'm actually yeah. starting to worry that I'm on the doctor plan and I'm only like three years into the eight. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is taking a long time and I'm starting to feel like I'm not growing. And so that's my bad is that like, I'm okay with it taking a long time. And this week was the first time that emotions have actually, I've actually felt it. It's the first time it felt like it was taking a long time. Exactly. Interesting. So that's my bad. I have not processed that yet. Yeah. But I will. Um, am I ugly? Uh, well, oh, do you have more to say? Well, yeah. I was just trying to think of how you can, I mean, like how many years have you been trying? Uh, futures just over two. Just over two. How many of those, how many months out of those two years do you think you've been actually doing what was, what would put you on the path to succeeding? Looking back Four. from now, looking back now. Maybe six. Okay. I think you can take some comfort in that. Since our chat with, with Flurry is where it started to open up and I actually started, I started building and, you know, there's a big difference between building versus moving flower to flower, right? Yes. You know, you yes. make a, you could make a pile of sticks over here and a pile of sticks over there and a pile of sticks over there and you've got 15 piles of sticks but none of them are very big. I'm actually building one pile now. Yeah. Where it's the same thing keeps growing and so mm -hmm. I can feel that. That's where you, I think you take your comfort in. Exactly. It may take some time but at least now you've got a foundation built. At least now you're building on something rather than constantly tearing it down and starting from scratch. Exactly. You can't ever make progress if you're always you know starting over right yeah that totally makes yeah. sense yeah so what about the ugly then my ugly is not from this week but from last week and it is that i have a small options account that i've just been playing with tqqq with and i lost a third of it mm. it's not a big account but i had a trade on and i hold them for like four days and i Got long one day. The next day when I looked, I was I bought at around fifty cents a share. Mm -hmm. And when I looked, it was at fourteen. Oh. Right? And my and my stop was I buy at fifty and my stop goes at forty per contract. Oh, you blew through your stop and didn't it didn't fill you? And so something happened. I did something wrong, whether I set it for day instead of good till cancel or I canceled it myself, which is unusual, but something happened where I had no more stop. I think uh, Purdue mentioned some, or not, maybe it wasn't Purdue. Somebody I was talking to had explained how like those gaps work. Like when, uh, when the market makes like a huge move really quickly, uh, at least in the futures side of it, I don't know that this is, I don't know if this is the case with options, but I, I bet it's something similar where they like when it's moving too quickly, they just cancel all the orders and let price stabilize and then put them back on. Yeah, that was Leo said that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Leo yeah. mentioned. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe price blew through your stop. And then by the time they uh, they sorted out where price should be at, like, like oh, we, we can't execute this now. It's way too far away. Well, that's what I thought originally, but I just didn't have a stop plane. Plain and simple. Oh, you so didn't? It was just gone. It's not that it blew through it. It just wasn't there. So my guess uh, is, my guess is I picked day instead of good till cancel. Yeah. yeah. And so, which, but it's also, it's the ugly, but it's also, there's a silver lining in it, in that I trade that account. It's a small account and I still trade it small enough mm -hmm. where catastrophic events 
do a third of my account. Yeah. So. Uh, no, that's there's there's also lessons to learn out of that. It sounds like you just learned one too. Absolutely. So that was my ugly. All right. All right. Uh, uh, pretty mild uh, from how they can go sometimes on this show. <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot better. Been. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, all right, we should uh, we should get a bet pick and and close our uh, end this episode. I think we're getting to the end here. Let's do it. I need it, wanna beat it, gonna win it if I take it from you. I'm filling my positions, quit your bitch and random's gonna lose. Got a chart. All the levels and a stop that's not too tight It's bet picking time in the shop So pick them right uh, Alright, um, so you have an idea that it sounds like for what we should go pick this week for the bet I've got something I was looking at What are you looking at? But the majority of the people surveyed in Charles Schwab think that energy is the way to go. Why not just go long XLE, the uh, energy sector, our arm of the spider? So what you're saying is one news article is causing you to go long? In... Yeah. Well, I mean, I like energy anyway. I've been well, bullish Perfect. On it. Let's do it. <laughs> but, uh, well, I want to hear what you got first. My pick is GPS. So like the gap. Okay. Uh, okay. Clothing. And it's uh, strictly from a technical standpoint. Yeah. And so it is at this, it tested on uh, Thursday, it tested the 618 fib. Okay. Friday, it retested and went higher and closed just above uh, Thursday's close. So it's at the 618 fib. It's also at uh, a trend line. So it's either going to fail and dump, and I'll end up doing a consequence with you. <laughs> or this trend line is going to hold and I'll have sealed your month for you. Oh, all right. All right. I like the confidence. Uh, okay. So uh, walk me through this trade then. Where would you put your stops at? Where would you put your take profits? Okay. So I'm going to put my stop at 1235. 1235. Uh... We can just, we can just buy the open. Buy the open. Stop it. Stop loss. 1235. Long uh, open. Uh, what about a take profit? Uh, let's take half at thirteen thirty-five, and the rest Friday at the close. Thirteen thirty-five. Yep. And then trail the stops go to break even. Yeah, sure. Okay, sounds good to me. We'll go with yours because I like the idea of uh, more consequences. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, All right, I'm get, on board. Let's do it. Let's get a random stock here. Then uh, Dice Roll gave me, uh, let's see, New York Stock Exchange Transportation. And Random has decided to go long FRO. FRO. Frontline PLC. What is that? Oh, good Lord. Oh. <laughs> God. I could be in trouble. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Uh, they just had their earnings. Uh, they had some really good earnings. Uh, hopefully, you're in a scenario where everyone's already bought, and now everyone's a seller. <laughs> right. Uh, 
but that sell volume still doesn't look all that strong. Yeah, you might be in some trouble this week. Yeah, we are. Oh, oh man. Oh, God. Clever girl. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh. Oh, wow. That is a big breakout. Yeah, we are. If this, if this goes, then it, where is it going to run to? On the plus side, this has been not a good stock if you bought it back in 2009. What's the weekly look like on it? Oh, my good Lord. Maybe it's time for a pullback, Kyle. Yeah, that's that's what you got to hope for here. Oh, fuck. It looks even worse on the weekly for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weekly. <laughs> weekly looks like we're late, but we should probably still YOLO in. Not as easy as you think, huh? Not as easy as it sounds to beat random. It's random. <laughs> it's oh, random. man. You got a shit dice roll. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. All right, folks. Uh, looks like bulls are going long on Gap GPS uh, random has picked up the strongest looking stock I've seen in a while at the FRO. It's um, going to bring us to the end of the episode and like thank everyone for sticking around to the end and a heartfelt thanks to, to Joel for jumping in and filling in for Dan. It was late notice and uh, I think he did a fantastic job. I appreciated the opportunity. If you guys agree with me out there, then I'd like to get over there and devour that five star rating. Uh, like an all dressed bag of lays. We'll be back soon uh, with another exciting episode. But until then, take care. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades. That's right. That's right. This podcast is probably transitory, depending on how far out you scale it. Well, or of how course. close you zoom it in, depending on how well this episode does. Well, you, <laughs> you, you can't have me just bomb one episode and think everyone's going to leave. Oh, God, how funny would that be if it did close the doors? That oh, would sorry, be... guys, Joel ruined it. <laughs> You'll never do anything again outside your comfort zone. The Canadian burned down the house. Thanks for coming. I'm uh, probably going to cut most of this, but. That's okay. You cut whatever you want or play whatever you want. It don't matter to me. I might have to keep that. That was fun. <laughs> Just really glad you made it. I have a lot of friends always. God damn it. Really glad you're here.